We can look back and see it wasn't all so bad. Someday maybe we can look back and smile at the life we had. All Hi everybody and welcome to the first edition of the new podcast brought to you by Cop Left and Cop Table, Tanner Talk. Tonight I'm joined by two LFC goal-scoring legends in the form of Nick Tanner, who will be <laughs> who will be a regular in this pod. I'm delighted, I'm, I'm humbled to be in the presence of, of, of the two of them, and Barry Venison, two ex-Reds legends. So we're going to have a bit of a chat tonight. First up, Nick, how are you? First time we've done a pod together. I'm very much looking forward to this this new pod. Uh, all good with you, my man? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. So I think we um, the pod the other night went down a storm with the, the quiz question that I got right, so I think everybody loved that. Well, you, you had a little sort of, a little bit of bias there. You, you nearly destroyed it. <laughs> it wasn't fixed, I'm telling you now. <laughs> oh no, pure theatre, pure theatre. And as I say, we have Barry Venison in Los Angeles. Barry, first of all, how are you? And you're very welcome. Thank you so much for appearing. Thank you so much for appearing. Oh, time. great to be here. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for inviting well, me. And, uh, and, and maybe just tell the listeners, you, you know, obviously, you know, we, we have quite a young audience who um, maybe don't, don't really know about you. Maybe what, early 40s or what? <laughs> <laughs> you know they'll be going googling but yeah you know you you played for the res for quite a while but what, what are you doing with yourself now hey let's clarify let's go back the introduction said goal scorer <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with well, you, you, at all. you've won each at least you didn't score maybe. an own goal <laughs> well hey, that's on the record somewhere but uh, scoring goals hey you leave that to the real players like rushy and kind of glitch john aldridge they're, they're they're the real players no, yeah, I, I totally I, agree I, with that. Venice, I told him that the other day. And take the word legends out, because I don't class myself as a legend no way, well, shape or form. So. No, you can't, you can't be classed as a legend. Not when you're talking about people like John Barnes, yeah. Kenny Aglish. They're, they're legends. They're, they're, they're absolute legends and quite rightly labelled yeah. that. But for us, soldiers, well, I, I yeah. class myself as a soldier and somebody who was fortunate enough to have a fantastic six years at Liverpool with great players, great times and Fair enough. I transport myself from there all the way over to here. I've been here in Los Angeles for 14 years this year. We spent seven years in Laguna Beach. Now we're, now we're in Los Angeles. And for the last two years, I've been, I've been coaching and head coach down at a team called, uh, down in Irvine called OC Blues. OC Blues FC is a USL team, which is currently the third league, MLS and NASL. It's about to be the, uh, the second league. And we got knocked out in the semifinals of the playoffs, so devastation set in. But thoroughly enjoying life. Obviously, the weather's good, but I'm back on that football drug, and uh, I'm loving it, really loving it. And all the good things that I know about football can be related directly back to, to those times at Liverpool, for sure. No, without a doubt. And, you, you know, you mentioned there, you, know, you're, you don't consider yourself legends, but I think from, from us, no. from a fan's perspective... We, you know, anybody who pulls on the red shirt, especially in that era, you know, you guys played him. You're all legends as far as I'm concerned. It's a little bit different now when they come back, Barry. It, it, you, I think we all understand that when you actually, when you actually played it. I mean, I, like I said before, I think it's been well documented. I, I came at a choice of going to the lowest team or one of the lowest teams in the whole league <laughs> to Liverpool. So for me, 
it was it was a complete and utter one or the other. And shall I go there or shall I go to the champions? Now you know that's that's the difference between it. But not expecting to play, which again I, was, I, I class myself as fortunate enough to play, but I didn't expect anything from when I went there. And, and when I left through injury, people sort of said about, oh, you know, you're unlucky. And I said, no, I wasn't. I was lucky to go to it in the first place. So yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, I made and Barry at the nail on the head, workhorses or odd carriers as they used to call, and we did all the ferrying yeah. and and the running and the and the stuff for the uh, for the better players. So for the good was, players, I mean that that's what when you look at today's game, I think I, I think some of the some of the some of the younger players or some of, some of the modern players are are a little bit not embarrassed, but they're a little bit reluctant to say, look, I'm in the team to be a soldier. I will get yeah. the ball to the players who can make a difference. I'm here to break things up. Break things down, run around, close down, tackle, be a dog, uh, be a defender, and then give it and give it to the talented players and myself and Nick. We loved it. We absolutely yeah. loved it. To be, you know, to be doing that and to be fetching and carrying. But one thing, I mean, Nick, you you remember just even in training, tra- every training session you're learning something. Every training session and training yeah. wasn't sophisticated in that there was a hell of a lot of coaching, but there was a hell of a lot of knowledge being passed on. And if you were wise enough and open enough to open up to uh, to what was available to you, you know, from people like Alan Hansen and you mentioned yep. Ian Roche, John Barnes. I mean, what kind of edu- you can't buy that football education anywhere on the planet, and we exactly. were lucky enough to be part of that. It's one of the things I always say, Venons, as well, and you know, and I'm not having a go at anybody who came after after us, so to speak. They were labelled as the Spice Boys. Some of the lads that came in. <laughs> But you know what I mean? We, but but some, some of the lads that came in didn't want to yeah. take on board the knowledge from Alan Hansen's in Russia and that. I'm not going to name any names, but some of them didn't. Some of them yeah. thought they knew better themselves. And that's, to me, what changed everything. Not not Graham Sooners did this, did that. I think the attitude of the players that came in was sort yeah. of saying, well, hang on a minute. I, you know, I, I could run. The good thing about me, I could run. So could you. We were you fit. could run. You you could <laughs> run a lot faster and longer than I could. Yeah, you were... You were right up there. I mean, uh, yeah, but, I was in the middle of the pack. You were right up there. So, so you were in that respect. So, I, you know, in the, even if we went out on the night, you know, that the next morning I could still run. Mike Marsh was the same. But we would yeah. always listen to what they told us. You know, you, you you stand up for yourself. Of course you would. But you would listen to what people told you and respect that. Whereas some of the younger lads that came in, they couldn't give a monkeys. I mean, I remember Julian Dix coming in. Do you remember when he, he, he got the... No, Dix is just from a different ilk and he's a Bristol lad yeah. himself, but... I can remember when he got a, he got a golf ball and a and a golf club out and whacked the ball over the wall at Melwood. I was like running around was going absolutely ballistic. Oh, <laughs> I, actually, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there for when Julian <laughs> Dix was there. What what I liked about the, the group and the group changed. The, the squad changed when we were there because players come and go to a degree, but not wholesale change like it is now. But what I liked about uh, our squad was, I mean, I walked in there when I was 20, 21 year old in that dressing room. And every one of those players in there, the, the internationals, I've been watching them on telly for years. And you walk in and, uh, you know, your prunes turn to raisins in there. You've got to stand up <laughs> yourself. You, you said you've got to earn the right to get the respect. But the one thing is there's a, just a tremendous blend of experience, drive, passion, commitment to every training session, winning games. The lads were humble. Uh, there was leaders in there. There were soldiers in there. There was talented players. There was gifted players. There was intelligent players. There was <laughs> real dumb, thickest, thickest of <laughs> players in there uh, it, it, from an intellectual point of view. But they were phenomenal out on the field. And yeah. I mean that that mix, that mix. I mean it's it's proven that mix has never been put together in that kind of environment and uh, to to get the results. 
Liverpool haven't won the league since, what was it, 1990? They haven't won the league. And there's, there's a reason for that because that blend has not, not been replicated or duplicated. And other, other places have moved on. But that at that time, I mean, there was drinkers in the squad. There was runners in the squad. There was, there was entire... Peter Beardsley. Peter Beardsley, who just... <laughs> he didn't do either. <laughs> no, but he used to eat a lot of chocolate. I mean, I've never seen anybody eat as many chocolate buttons as, as that man. And then he'd go out and run around like a tornado. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's... The, 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 what I liked about that back then, which is different, the game's moved on. We know it's moved on so much in terms of taking care of themselves physically. Actually, Nick, I think in this environment, you in the football age now, this is where you being a uh, phenomenal athlete at area would be supreme athlete now. Uh, and, you know, especially the way yeah, they like I've, to take care of themselves. You'd love this now, right? With, with all the new yeah. physiology stuff and sports science. But what cannot be, what cannot be replicated, what, what can't, what you can't, it can't be synthetic is the camaraderie of a winning team who was humble in victory, magnanimous in defeat. And the lads used to drink for fun. Probably one of the best <laughs> drinking team squads. Better than, better than Manchester United, where Brian Robson, Mark Hughes, Steve Bruce, Gary Palast, all those. We are the best drinking squad. But you guarantee, tell me if I'm wrong, you can guarantee the next day they were burn. John Orridge yep. didn't burn up the training ground the next day. He had his lead boots on. Let's be fair. He had his lead boots on. But the attitude, you know, if the, the, the attitude and application to come in and just grind through it, and then you get the results on the Saturday. But there yeah. was never anything done that would compromise or jeopardize the performances on a Saturday. And it's, exactly. It's, you cannot explain it. It's, diff- it's difficult to explain. I still but that's speak where... to Steve Nickel every now and then, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think that's where people get the, the, get the wrong idea? Because it used to be Liverpool play five a side and do things. When you say play five aside, that's at the end game when they used to play Wembley up the top, whatever they called it, when yeah. the managers joined in and stuff. The actual yeah. five asides were quite tasty, weren't they? So, they, you, well, you know, there was yeah, yeah, steaming in and different. Well, and, it, wasn't, and the, it, it, it wasn't for Nancy's. I mean, you weren't going out there with a little skirt on and parading around. <laughs> you're going out there and get whacked. I mean, there was bad injuries in these eight asides. Yeah. I remember the time Steve McMahon just sliced open Kevin McDonald's knees, just sliced it open like a peach. There was. <laughs> Fights in training regularly. It was highly competitive. And if it wasn't competitive, then you got the older pros like Alan Hansen and Kenny, uh, who was player manager when I went. And and I think it was probably manager player manager when you were there as well, Nick. He was he was yeah. and he was he was a driving force and the standards had to be really high. And if you weren't up to the standards, you got Ronnie Moran barking at you like a <laughs> like a let loose Rottweiler. I mean, <laughs> you, you couldn't go in and just parade around, and that was part of that was part of the, the major ingredients for the success, I believe. Exactly. But that's what I think, Bad. That's why I think that the people came in. That's why I was saying the ones that came in to replace the others didn't have that. They didn't have anybody to look up to, to a certain extent, because Alan retired and certain yeah. people left the club. So they were sort of looking up to, to Mark Wright and people like that who'd just come to the club. So it was a bit difficult for, for them not to integrate into it and get back to the old Liverpool days. Because whatever people say about Suey, I don't think it's all his fault. I mean, I, no. I've read his, here, here. I've read his, his book, The Manager's years and, and he's put a lot of things to bed in that about certain people knocking on his door I don't think you were one of them but <laughs> certain people knocking oh. on his door and and asking saying well Mark Wright and, and so and so's joined so I want the same money as them and different things like oh, that so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's for there for everybody to read it if they want to read the, the management years by Graham Soon I'm not going to pick people's names out but that's for them to go and have a look at it themselves you can get it on Amazon but you're just trying to say 
in his day, that wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have had nobody knocking on the door because you'd have had parity of money. You'd have had parity of everybody, right? You deserve some more money, so we'll come and see you rather than you come. Yeah, and see I mean, there's a respect that, look, not everybody would earn the same money. You go on there, some, some exactly. players are, are young, they're almost apprentice like, they come in, they're on more money. You earn the right to get on the salaries yeah. that the lads or internationals have got to be there. But I, th- I think the lads that came in and, and the groups that came in after that were a little bit more interested in the glitz rather than the graft. Yeah. And the graft was an integral part of it. And, and it, it changed. It definitely changed. And also Manchester United moved on, obviously, yeah. and, and Arsenal moved on. And, and I think Liverpool got, got stuck a little bit. But I do think right now, I do think right now for the first time since then, I'm optimistic, confident about what could happen over the next year or three with Klopp. Because I think Klopp, He's got to buy the scruff of the neck. I think he's bringing back that ridiculous industrial work ethic that is required to be out there. So I think it's exciting times now for Liverpool, but it's taken a long time to really get back. In terms of the league, I know there's been a lot of success in Europe, but in terms of just the league itself, I think I don't expect Liverpool to win it this year, but I expect them to be highly competitive and definitely knocking on the door for the top four. Nick, you're, you're there. What, what are you seeing with? I, I, I said exactly the, the same. I, I I said when he came because I mean I'm not I wasn't a Brendan Rodgers fan I got loads of stick I do the games for Radio Merseyside right. and I used to say on the commentary <laughs> Are you giving out stick I like it I, I <laughs> No but I don't, well, I was saying as it is I mean I, I don't care what anybody says I mean you know Marshy I know Marshy Marshy was there <laughs> as is a, a second assistant manager to Colin Pascoe Absolutely When they had the bad season they had the bad finish the man that is Brendan Rodgers turned around and got rid of Marshy and his right-hand man, and basically yeah. stayed at the club himself. So he saved himself yeah. to get rid of them. Now, they were part of the success. They should have been part of the failure. They should have all gone together, in my opinion. And we've seen what happened afterwards. It was a disgrace. Now you see them, the players playing, and everybody wants to play for Klopp. Everybody. Well, that's, I, I know I know that for a fact, because we we brought a lad over from England, a lad called Richard Chaplow, to pay for us. And he came yep. over back in the season. And he's, got, he's still got a lot of close friends in the game. And w- one of his close friends is, Adam Lalana and Adam Lalana speaks glowingly about Klopp and about the way he goes about business and training, the way he handles the players and the, and, and the drive and the enthusiasm and the passion. And there's a lot of things being said about the club now, which you could go back and say, "Well, hang on, he's he's, he's talking about the '80s there. He's talking about late '70s. He's talking about the '80s." So I think they're getting back. It's a whole new era. It's a different brand of football we're seeing now. I yep. love watching it. It's extremely exciting. Uh, you cannot compare the two generations. That It's just not valid. But f- for now, I think Klopp, Klopp now is pushing his team, the individuals, and collectively as a unit, he's pushing them so they're going to be competitive. I also like Poch- what Pochettino is doing in, yeah. in, in the Premier similar, League. Similar real, can't they? Similar uh, absolutely. Sort of and, and the root of it, the root of it is the team spirit, which sounds really basic. The root of it is the team spirit uh, and the work ethic, and they're prepared yeah. to die for each other out there. Well, that's what I said. If you if you pick the winning teams, your winning teams, and yeah. you had Klopp as the manager, could you imagine him trying to get everybody that fit? That's the difference. <laughs> he hasn't yeah. got all that ability. The thing I like about him is, and me and you could probably play for his teams because he he doesn't look at the ability first. He looks at work rate and different different things because yeah. he hasn't got a John Barnes or he hasn't got a Jan Mulby or anybody. He's got workers in that team. You can't pick one person out. Daniel Sturridge thinks he can do it, stand up front and do nothing. Yeah, but he's not prepared to do it. So he's no, he takes him straight off. <laughs> he takes exactly. him off. So he's not exactly. he's not bowing down to anybody. 
the problem with with Brendan was as soon as Sturridge was fit, he played him. He, he tried to make Balotelli into this player that everybody knew he wasn't, and then signed him regardless, and then tried to shift the blame onto the owners. They bought him, not me. What? Well, yeah, don't play him. You still don't have to play him if you're a manager, do you? You just say I'm not playing him. It's fine. Leave, I'm leaving him out. I tell you what, I found uh, being head coach over the last couple of seasons here, and obviously it's a lot, lot lower league. It's many echelons down, but. Well, what I do know is if you're not strong in commanding and you can with your players, and when you get in rogue type mentality players, yeah, if they'll come in, they'll come in and they'll just sniff immediately any sense of weakness and they'll just go for it and try and expand yeah. and, they'll, and they'll try and take advantage. And I felt that's what Balotelli came in. Balotelli came in and basically did what the hell he wanted, and he he wasn't whacked across the head with a baseball bat. Metaphorically, of course, <laughs> he just he just wasn't dealt with, yeah. and I think if Klopp had been there, I think he would have dealt with it completely different. He wouldn't but, have played him, mate, and that's that's no. been proven afterwards. And he said it, and and again, I I used to text Marcy and say, "What's the team?" He wouldn't tell me the team. He didn't. No. Tell me the team. He never told me the team because obviously that's no. confidential. Absolutely. But speaking to him afterwards, he would always say that whenever he was fit. Brendan had to put him either on the bench or play him, and then he would have to bring him on. It was just this thing they had, this this fixation that he thought he could change him. And I'm thinking, well, yeah. all these managers in the past, even Mourinho gave up in the end, couldn't deal with yeah. it, yet you still carried on doing it. And to the detriment of, of a young lad or someone playing in the team, I'd rather play a young lad. I mean, I managed it at an even lower level than you for, for about 10 years, and I was exactly the same. I just couldn't be asked with all these people that just stand around and or come to training 10 minutes late and, you know, on a night. And well, no, I, I, I mean, a couple of months ago, were, I, I don't know if I just, I got three and I just sent them home. I said, look, you, you go home, don't come back. You don't come back. <laughs> You're done. There's a car park, don't come back. Literally just went off your pop. If you need to go and see the general manager, get your money, do whatever you want. Don't come back. You cannot have a squad or anybody in the squad who's not prepared to work for a team. It becomes toxic. It becomes yeah. toxic, negative, and it's a drain, and it and it lowers the standard of, it lowers the standard of the training sessions. It it, low, it lowers the level of energy, and I'm and I'm talking about the cleanliness of the energy. And you cannot you cannot take training as far as you can, as far as you should be able to, when you've got anchors in there. And I know it sounds like something else, but anchors who are dragging dragging things yeah. down. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what that's why again we go back to Klopp. I think that's why with Sacco, I think he's. He stamped on him and told him, "This is how it works, not how you think it works." I mean, the yeah. the, the preseason thing in Alcatraz when they were taking the thingies, and he, I bet he was absolutely spewing inside, wanting to give him a bollocking, but had yeah. to smile for the cameras. And then when he got back, he probably gave him the biggest bollocking of all time because he's just trying to take the Mickey. I mean, and he won't stand for it. And which is well, well, I tell you what, is, look, 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 look back at the squad. Look at the squad. Do you think anybody like John Barnes, Alan Hansen, you know, Ray Houghton? Would them come in and try and undermine training, undermine the no. manager, and undermine training and try to be bigger? The, the mantra that was always there when we were there: the club is bigger than any player. The club is bigger yep. than every player. You know, you, you, you've got a special opportunity to come in here and be part of something which is goes back decades and decades through Paisley, through Shankly, and to be part of that, you'd be you're grateful, but you have to give your full commitment and be the best that you can be. Every day and certainly every game. I mean, it's yeah. It was a blessing to be there. I I think I think that changed. But did you ever see Barnsley come in and take the piss? I mean, the lad was probably the most gifted player yeah. I've ever played with or against. Strong as a bull, great lad on and off the field. Never did he come in for all his gifts and talents and far more gifted and far more effective and far better a teammate than Balotelli would ever be. <laughs> but that fella, that fella come in and was 
magnificent, a magnificent yeah. player for Liverpool on a daily basis and an ambassador. Yeah, now, that, no, I, t- I totally level. agree with you, mate. I mean, I, I, I said it all along. He's the best player I've seen play weird or played against or whatever. Oh, yeah, because that's what I say. That's, yeah. You know, but now I would say yeah. I, I wish you would have had Steven Gerrard in your team because that that lad's pulled the club out of the mire God knows how many times since. Right. And I think that if people say he was the best player you've ever seen for Liverpool, I would say it's a close thing between John Barnes and Steven Gerrard only because John that's played in the 10... Yeah. John, John played in the 10 times better team than, be honest, than, than what yeah. Gerrard's ever done. So I just yeah. feel sorry for him because he... You know, I wasn't again. I wasn't. I wasn't a great Rafa Benitez fan, so no. I thought the final. They, you know, the final they won was magnificent. But team yes. selection to start off with was wrong. But how Diddy a man was on the bench, and then Harry Kewell played. I'd never know. But I spoke to Diddy, and he was quite happy with it. So right. I just find that baffling. But but I mean, if Stephen Gerrard would have played in that era, he would get in any team. John would. If you, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, players like Graham Sooners and you know people like that. I mean, I've oh my we goodness. do these legend yeah. events now with the lads, and right. I've only just met started meeting Terry McDermott and Terry. I mean, I the, but I looked <laughs> on YouTube it? for his goals and bloody hell. But I, was, I, I went to Newcastle with Kevin Keegan and Terry was the assistant manager. So I, was with, I was with Terry for three years. So I, I know exactly Brilliant. what Terry's like. Look, Terry, <laughs> Terry could look. Terry fits the bill for a Liverpool player. He could run all day. He was actually skinny as a rig. He had a really yep. weird run. <laughs> he still is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He's still got that dodgy tash as well. He's pawn tash. But no, he's gone. He, he's gone now. Oh, has he got rid of it? Yeah, I'll uh, send you some pictures. It's probably gone ginger. I couldn't handle it. So, <laughs> what, what, so he could run all day. Uh, he was, he's, fat. he's a bit like John Wall getting in a box late, scoring, and then the fella would again part of the group, the social group, which is a big part yeah. of of the success of all the Liverpool squads. An incredible character, and I was lucky enough to spend them three three years with him because we talked a lot about the the era that I was because I went straight from Liverpool to Newcastle. And then, obviously, the first thing I do is pick his brains, pick Kevin Keegan's brains yeah. about their time at Liverpool because it's, you know, it's, it's. I mean, it's exciting to hear to hear how they did things, and they were doing things very similar to the way that we did things. Yeah, uh, there was there was definite parallels there. Well, that's what I said. Is I do the legends for the older lads, you know, like the older right. ones, so Alan Kennedy, Phil Neal, Jimmy Case, oh, yeah. and them sort of people. So right. I put those shows on rather than the other, you know, the newer players, to, to try and educate some of the young lads in, in certain areas that this is what did happen when Liverpool played. Yeah. And I had somebody ask me, when I was trying to sell them some tickets, said, who's Terry McDermott? And I was like, well, you actually support yeah. Liverpool Football Club and you're asking who is Terry McDermott. So I sent him a, yeah. that's when I looked at the YouTube video and found Terry's goals and I was sat there myself with my gob out and thinking, yeah. well, bloody goals he scored. But yeah. but they, they yeah, it needs did. to be educated. It's all right singing we won it five times. Have a look at the lads that won it the four times before Istanbul. That's what they, they, they should be doing. And, and if you look at it, it's, it's amazing how they used to play. And they were playing against the best, not, not you know, the top four. Yeah. Each, yeah. Or each country that goes in. Yeah, it was so, definitely the, the elite of Europe. I was lucky and I spent time with, with, obviously, with Kenny when you were there, when we were there together. And I spent time with Kevin Keegan, uh, three years there. And I, I played for, for Graham Soonest. Two or three times, so I spent, and I spent a lot of time with Graham. Graham and I have friends, and um, oh yeah, I forgot you again. I I I forgot. See, now I'm thinking that oh, you're going to be one of the ones that he got rid of, but you obviously you followed him with. No, he saw me. He got rid of me. No, he saw me. Yeah, but but he signed you. Galatasaray, didn't he? (laughs) (laughs) No, but and he told told me to Southampton too. He bought and sold me many times Ah, over. I was, you know, he he discarded me more than uh, (laughs) more than a used tissue. But the thing, the thing about the thing about Graham was. We we got on so well because 
I never ever had anywhere near the talent and and uh, control and, and and technical ability that he did. But I think with me, he saw some similarities to him, and it was nothing really more than than just just basic ingredient of fight and you know fight yeah. and spirit. Uh, yeah. And and he liked that, and he wanted he wanted somebody like that in in his team, and that's why that's why he kept taking me places. But I, I like the fella. Oh, really oh, that's all right. Then. Uh, oh, we're, we're, we're about the only two play- ex-players who like him, I think, from our era, so we're okay. Well, you've got to understand them. Graham's a dinosaur. This is what people didn't understand. You've got to understand. You've got to work out. I, I think that's one of the problems with players today. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to know your players. I mean, how many yeah. times were we told, know your players? Know yeah. who you can pass to. Know who's got, who's, who can control it. Know who to give the ball to in certain areas. But you've got to know your players and know your managers. Well, what yeah. is Graham? What's his character? Graham is an absolute dinosaur. He's he's an animal. <laughs> he he's a historic animal. He's somebody who comes in. He comes in a room, and the first thing he instinctively wants to do is kill the main threat in the room. That's what he wants. <laughs> yeah. He's exactly yeah, no. on the football field. He's yeah. got a big horn coming out of the back of his neck. I'm telling you, <laughs> he, he he will look for the dominant force, the 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 big the big man in the room or on the field. And the first, his instincts is he's got to go and smash him and kill him. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what he did so well. And that's how he used to win games. And that's why he was always the target for for the other team. And that's what he did in when he went into dressing rooms and he dominated. But he he wasn't doing it because it's look, it's like leaving a tiger in a room with a with a rabbit. There's only one outcome. <laughs> yeah. And it's not the tiger's fault. He's a tiger. Barry, well, I could see that. Were you at the at Galatasaray the time he did the? I think you were. Whenever he put the flag in in the, the center circle, is there a sto- I, any I, stories I, around I, that? I had just left. Graham Graham used to talk to me a lot, and and you know he was he 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 would help me a lot. And one of the one of the long conversations we had together was over a few glasses, stroke bottles of wine. He liked his <laughs> red wine. And you, throughout that conversation, he kept reiterating, look, you have to stop as a player and as a person for you to move on and develop. This is him talking. For you to mature <laughs> and move on and develop, you have to stop being confrontational. <laughs> <laughs> he kept repeating it. And then I'll leave, I'll leave Galatasaray and I turn the telly on and there he is. He missed you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know but, how he didn't get him and his family shot. He's a lunatic. <laughs> lunatic. But the, going back to the bottles of wine thing and stuff, I can always remember Jan relating that story again. And Graham's frustration, what you just said then was, he wants everybody to be like he was, and he wanted yeah. everybody to be super fit. And I can yeah. always remember when when Jan took it, he took Jan to somewhere in Nutsford for a, Jan said, I'll have a pint. And he said, no, you should be having a bottle of this wine. And the, the waiter brought over was about 200, <laughs> 200 quid for a bottle of wine. And some, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, Jan just didn't get it, did he? So he just said, "What a waste of time that was." Put the court back on it. Jan said, "No, I'll have another point, please." But he was just trying to help. Points for that. He was just trying to help. That's why I said people saw it the wrong way because he wanted everybody to be as you know, be as good as him, and like you said, be as aggressive as him. And that's the thing most missing in today's game. There, there isn't. They keep talking about a holding midfield player rather than a you know destroyer or whatever they call him. Someone you get stuck in in the old days. And these these holding midfield players now are. Just blokes who just sit still and don't do it. They didn't tackle, did they? They just they just sit in front of the back for doing nothing. No, no, it, the, the game has changed. But I tell you, there is there is some a lot of similarities between Graham Simmons and Kenny Dalglish because people will ask me, 
you know what the differences of characteristics in managers and but there's there's so many similarities with 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 Kenny and Graham and at least they used to room together they've played in great yeah. teams together they've won many trophies together and they've 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 created history together but the pair of them you know this the pair neither of them would put up with anything that's substandard in terms of training you had to be yeah. at a level they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't allow fools to be around them. They had absolutely no patience with any fools on or off the field. They expected people to be of the level that they were, and it's absolutely impossible. I mean, they are the one percent yeah. elite, <laughs> and how do they expect us, a freaking hard carrier, to be like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the difference. Like <laughs> how do you reckon? I've always said this question. How do you reckon? Graham would have done with your team and then Kenny came in and had to change it round. And that's, that's a question I always say to people, well, okay, fine. I think that Kenny would have found it just as hard as Graham coming into the club at, at that time. Anybody would. Anybody. Absolutely. I think- I've, I've got to agree with that. I, th- I think the club, I think the club at best, so much of his success on what had been done before, obviously, and what had been done really well over and over again. And I, I think the club was a little too keen to keep things in place that that worked rather than looking to possibly develop and move on and evolve. And yeah. I think the rest, right at that time, right at the time when, when Kenny was leaving and Graham come in right at that time, it was the time that was, it was all, it was a perfect storm in terms of, look, this is going to come to a clatter and halt one way or another. Whoever, whoever was, was in charge. The, absolutely. Whoever was at the helm then would not have been able to solve those issues in, in one term. Exactly. And that's what I've always said to people is you're judging him on that one season or the next couple of seasons, but I don't care who it was. He he tried to, but you know that. We used to get on the coach and funny. You remember Helmet used to drive the coach? Yeah, Helmet. I see Helmet on the telly now. Yeah, was he well, yeah, well I, did the, um, <laughs> I did the FA Cup game at, then at Exeter last year and I'm, he was stood down by the thing with his, you know, we wheels the metal box him and all the kit and all that now. <laughs> so I went up behind him and grabbed hold of him. <laughs> yeah, how are you, mate? He's still a Zekis said, Hello, Nicky lad, how are you? And I was like, <laughs> I said, I see you on the bloody telly more than the players. He's on there every week and he's sat in the background. (laughs) I said the other week, I've never seen a bloke get so much stick in all my life as him on the coach. Oh my God. Helmet used to get hammered every game. I mean, but but that's the difference. What did Graham do? He he stopped, he moved the training ground down to there. Somebody said about the boot room the other day, but the boot room wouldn't have been there because we didn't go back to to Anfield. We used to get changed at Melwood. So they, you know, the staff wouldn't have been able to go and sit in the boot room, would they? At Anfield, they would have been still down at Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, no, just, no, I, no. I wish everybody would read his book. I'm not just saying it's sticking up for him and making stores up. Go and read his book, and then perhaps yeah. people have a different uh, an opinion of him because I love him. I think you know, at the end of the day, he gave me an opportunity. He gave Marshy. I was arguing with somebody the other day, Rob Jones, yes, Bobby Fowler, yeah, gave him all their opportunities. Somebody said he signed David Speedy. What a bad sign! I said no, he didn't. That was Kenny. Kenny signed David Speedy because remember, yeah, on, the, remember on the plane Speedy, when we were abroad, yeah. <laughs> when we were abroad, yeah. <laughs> when Speedo was calling Rossi. <laughs> No, remember, I can't that? remember that? No, we did. We did a pre-season, and I'm sure you were there. We did a pre-season. Oh, I want to be there. Yeah, I remember David Speedy. Yeah. And I was rooming with Speedo, and right. we got on the plane. We've had a few beers as normal getting on the plane because there was no games. So, <laughs> and Graham sat down in front. He's like, "Oh, rotty!" And I said, "What are you doing?" He's, carrying... he's had a few more beers on the plane than just oh, calling yeah. him Rottweiler and all that. Oh, and thinking, yeah. Yeah, well, well, he, he, he used to go mental. He was. He <laughs> wanted to fight everybody when he had a cup of Speedo. He was crazy. Well, <laughs> but there was some, there was some ridiculous, there was some ridiculous trips there. Some, some, uh, 
but that was I, good. I, they were good lads. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, and this is where people get it wrong as well. They, and, and the Arsenal lads, and I, I read Tony Adams's book and the different people, yes. and Ray Parler's on all the time on Talksport. Right. All the old players used to have a drink, but at the right time, not on a Friday night, and all get paralytic. No, and play, play, no, no. You know, no, that's, that's Thursday no, night, no. but not not a Friday. And then. No, I, <laughs> I, the thing then, I helped was it really didn't. A lot of times it didn't matter whether the lads went out on a Monday or a Tuesday because it, it ended up usually on a Saturday afternoon that we had the we had the best players on the field anyway. And you yeah. remember, I tell you what's changed dramatically now in my time is that we never, we were never. Kenny never used to talk to us about the opposition at all. We no. never did set pieces. We never did any kind of <laughs> back forward work. We never talked about any of their players. It was all about us. If we're yeah. right, we'll win it. If we're on it, we'll win it. If we're at it, we'll win it. If you're quick and sharp, and then you and then you you come in at half time and say, Ronnie, well, Ronnie, well, you know, this is happening, that's happening. What should I do? <laughs> Work it out, son. What are you asking me for? Yeah. Work it out. Are you dumb or what? Work it out. <laughs> okay, I'll work it out. It's just <laughs> so basic, but now yeah. I mean I I've spent in the last two years. I've spent God knows how many hours sat analysing other teams, going through free kicks, at pieces, how to play, what system, who's quick, who's not. And I keep th- and I think uh, I'll sit there and I'll think back to Liverpool days. Nobody ever did any. No. Of this well. <laughs> I'll tell you a similar story. I did, I did scouting for Forest Green Rovers as well. They were in the conference at the time. Right. And uh, and Gary Hours was the manager there. And oh, yeah. I never see I've never seen him play. You know, Gary was with you at Sunderland, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at Sunderland. Yeah, great. Lad. Yeah, well, he was the manager there, and he All said, right. "Tans, I want you to go and watch somebody we're playing in two weeks." Now, I looked round to him straight away and said, "How do you know it's going to be the same team?" I'm like you, thinking, "Just don't worry about having a scout." I thought you want me to go and watch players. He said, "Oh no, I want you to look at their systems and set pieces and stuff like that." And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, "You're playing them in three weeks' time. How do you know the same players are going to be on the pitch?" And I was having yeah. a conversation. He said, "Oh, you're probably right." And I, I, I don't know whether they still do it now. The only way, in my opinion, you can do that is to watch four or five games of the manager herself and work out yourself. Because, I mean, I was writing anything down at the end, going, like, corners, I used to go, oh, where did that? And it was number four, and I crossed it. And he's, yeah, and you bang like, it in. Nah, well, that's what I do. I tell you, that's what I, that's what I do. I, for, for our team, I'd go through at least three games. Yeah. Uh, and depending on whether we're playing home and away, I'd do, if we're playing them away at their ground, I'd have two of their home games and one away. Yeah. And it would be the previous three games. So Thank you. I said that, and somebody said to me the other day, what load of rubbish. I said, if the team's playing away, they play totally different than they're playing at home. So there's no uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, of course you. they do. You, you've got players in the, in the team in any league across the world that play far better at home in front yeah. of the home fans than do it. And you've got players in that team who want to shrivel and hide and are nearly as effective away from home. So <laughs> yeah. it's a two different types of players. So, but that's yeah, what I said. But you take the blame. But if you if you watch the game, and I know Klopp does because he said he he sat down with his staff and watched two or three games before, and he was explaining how he does it as well. And yeah. he's exactly the same. Somebody might say, "Well, he's quick." Well, everybody knows the players in the Premiership or, or should do by yeah. now because you see yeah. him all the time. But there's nothing better than seeing it with your own eyes, and, and you're the manager knowing what team to play against that team because you can see it, not some bloke was writing it down on a piece of paper. And I... Well, yeah, because what happens is, as you're going through the game, this is the process, as you're going through the game, you see things happen, you see spaces, you see players who are not quick or slow on the turn, or the cover's not good, or overcommitting. And then, at the same time as that's happening, you've got in your mind about your own players, so you're transplanting yeah. your own players into that situation. Okay, so what do I need to tweak and train, and how can we exploit that space? How can we suck them under to get in behind, or how can we pull them wide to get in in, you know, inside of them, all those. But you can only do that yourself. You cannot yeah. have anybody. I believe you can't have anybody do. If you can have somebody who have an opinion, cross reference. But 
for me, it's you've got to be done. And I think that's where somebody like Klopp, uh, the the job is twenty four seven to be a yeah. to be a Premier League manager or a high level manager. And again, I'm I've been head coach at a low level, and it's twenty four seven for me. I I wake up earlier if you do it properly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Four four thirty four thirty on the morning. I'm I'm waking up, which is my normal time. And and the first thing I'm thinking about is team, <laughs> shape, personnel, and it's it's it is pathetic to a degree, but it's an obsession. But it's a great obsession because yeah. what what I, what I've said that I've just went through. We just finished our season. I've just went through with our lads, gone through their season individually, talked to them about it, and I, and some of them are not going to be here next season. I'm moving on next season too. I'm not going to be at OC Blues, but I, I talk to them, and what I've said is, look. You need to keep on improving, you keep on developing and, and keep on evolving as a player because you've got to stay in this game as long as you can because yeah. this game is the unreal world. This is not the real world. And the real world is crap in comparison. I know. <laughs> it's crap. The, the, know, the, the, the unreal world, I love it. The real world, I don't like it. Well, put it this way. I'm on the phone now chatting to you in LA. is 59 and Dave's over in Brazil when it's whatever temperature is, and I'm sat in Bristol thinking it's freezing effing cold here. <laughs> I'm in the real world. You two are in the unreal world still. So, oh, but it yeah. is, you, so you're not you're not there next year. You, you've already decided, have you all? No, I'm, I'm moving on. The club's the, the club's going to go in a direction which doesn't really uh, doesn't really doesn't match my ambitions. They're going to become an incubator club to develop young players. I want to win the league. Yeah, well, with that. <laughs> well, that's oh, my next not. question. So, what do you think of this youth development? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's it. But but it is. It's like you know, we all we all say what we do. I mean, like I said, I only managed that at a lower leg, uh, level, but I did it for ten years myself. And you saying about getting up at half past four, exactly the same on a Friday night, yeah. and you're going that. But the problem I always found with it now, even with this day and ages, is mobile phones and technology. Lads texting you on the day of a game, and stuff. for me anyway, it was one of the biggest things I, I give up doing non-league football because so many excuses they used to text me like an hour before the meeting or something. Yeah, one one of the best ones ever. <laughs> I can't was I can't come tonight. He said my girlfriend failed her exams and I think she needs me more than you. Oh my goodness! And this lad's on. on about forty pound a game, mine, which is a lot Gee. of money for the team yeah. But we didn't have that in our day because you couldn't text anybody no. who didn't have a mobile phone and you think you have to turn up or you let the lads down. I just think that's the way the whole lot's gone. And... Well, no, you've committed to a game. You've, com- you've committed to a game. You've <laughs> Those got girlfriend failed her exams. <laughs> Look, you've committed to the game because you want to be there. The last place you want to be is with your miserable girlfriend because <laughs> she's not bright enough to pass an exam. You're better off with a lad. Well, I, you wouldn't believe what I texted back. I did actually text that back. You shouldn't be with her anyway if she didn't pass her exam. <laughs> but I also text back, by the way, how old is she? Thinking, hang on. <laughs> no, you shouldn't text back. I hope she's got money because she's never going to have a good job. <laughs> but that's, that's the sort of thing. And that was like the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And you know, like I said, he was getting 40 quid a, a game, mind, which was a lot of money six or yeah. seven years ago for the standard of football he was playing. And he couldn't even bother to turn around to his missus and say, oh, Bad luck. I'm off to watch the football. And I don't think the dedication's there for them nowadays, half of them. So, well, no, it's not. And I, and I think there is a difference in mentality between the English mentality and certainly over here in America. America's a, it's it's a developing country for football, for the, for the soccer, if you like. But and there's a hell of a lot of numbers player, and the standard is is being elevated. But there's yeah. a long way to go in there. Oh, it's a hell of a long way to go. And I'm not, I don't know how how close they'll get to matching the rest of the the, the football world uh, they'll always be competitive because that's the nature 
But there's so many other things that, I mean, university and college is, is a big part of, of uh, their life here. So I, there's so many other things and distractions, especially, especially in California. That yeah. there's, a, there's not that you're talking about desire and, and a burning desire to, to get out there and train and get out, get out there on a Saturday afternoon. And a, a lot of it isn't here because as soon as they hit an obstacle or a little bit of a challenge, then they go, well, maybe this is I'd not for me. Up. Maybe I got to go back and get an <laughs> education, get a degree. So there's, there is a, there is definitely a soft on the belly, but I'll tell you what, there's a ton of talent here too. There really is what, a ton of talent. What do you think of this Bob Bradley? Is it gone to Swansea? Would he? Yeah, he's the first, obviously, the first American manager, isn't he, to come over here. So it'd be interesting to see what the, the comparisons on his management style, if, if you can have a management style. I don't know whether you can. No, but, his, um, his management style is organised. His management yeah. style is working like it's it's organised. It's not military, but it, it is, it's regimented. And well, that's my biggest that, argument then, Barry. That's my biggest argument. Why, why is he getting a job over somebody from a lower league club who's exactly the same organised. If, if it's the elite managers, I think that's good. But if it's just a normal manager who's going to organise them, I can't see the point yourself because you can get <sighs> well, 10 of them in well, the lower divisions. Well, there's a, there's a, well yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with that. But, uh, but I'll also add, why would you bring... Uh, that means that he's... Swansea do not play that way. No. They're so open, he's change free, the whole flow lot. and attract. So uh, is he going to come in and, and reshape the whole squad, the, 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 the principles of playing? If he is going to do that, then that's not going to happen quickly. They'll have to acclimatize to him. I think yeah. anybody coming into the English game who's American, anybody, everybody in England will look down the noses at him, and, I, and I, that's predictable. He is one of the, the higher-profile, more respected coaches here, obviously with the national team, and he's, had, he's actually had fairly good results. American owners, that's a logical step for them. Look, if it was French owners or, or, or Italian owners, they might have a French manager or Italian manager in there. Either he could way, have had him at Liverpool then. Yeah, there you go. Would he have fit? But but he, he, he whatever, whatever whichever way you go, we'll always make the argument. Well, that's that's a perfect job yeah. for you know maybe Ryan Giggs or another coach, uh, another British coach. But yeah. I I think he's up against it, and I tell you what, he's up against. If he if he doesn't make a success of it, then he could kill that uh, conveyor belt of potential American coaches coming over to yeah. England. But if he does a good job, do you remember when American players first come over? American yeah. players first come over and they didn't do very well at all. Then there's a couple came through. Brad Friedel obviously stands out. There's a couple came over and and then there was a more respect for for the player. And I think it's going to take two or three managers to yeah. for the American coaches to 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 get that respect. I'm not too sure what's going to happen at Swansea. But I, all I'm saying is that's why I like Klopp. He started at the bottom and. Did his apprenticeship yeah. minds and he's gone all the way up through. And that's what I think everybody should have to do. Not, you know, like Ryan Giggs is now trying to get a job. He, he'd be disappointed because he didn't get the Swansea job, but just because he's managed six games at Man United or something. But I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather us, and I, we said it on the podcast the other night, give some of the younger managers a chance from the lower divisions as well as the younger players coming up through rather than going foreign all the time in, in England and keep it to yourself more of it. Because Bristol Rivers have got Daryl Clark's a good manager. Leeds tried to snatch him off of them. You know, right. a young manager going places and stuff like that. And I, I just want to see the progression come up through, like you did and I did. So there's more players, English players. But if you got if you got American that. owners, if you got American owners and they, you know, they they they're going to spend the money however they want it, and they're going to look. Yeah. I think they're going to look to their own. So uh, we'll always have an opinion on it. We're never going to control it. But the the outcome and the outcome is going to be interesting. But we we won't be able to decide on him no. until, until probably eighteen months time. No, but the, the the Premier League as a whole, I I think is looking 
really exciting this year. Um, the best managers are here, aren't they? But I think uh, everybody would put their hands on their hearts and say there isn't a better manager somewhere else in the world than is in the Premiership. I would hope they would anyway. So, but, no, Pochettino's up there. Obviously, yeah. you've got the high-profile ones, Conti. Yeah. We've got, we got Mourinho in there. I, I think Mourinho and Conti have inherited many more major problems than they realise. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't like Graham Souness did many years ago. See, no, that's, everybody Absolutely. said it'd be a cakewalk, but I think they're starting to, to realise. Well, it wasn't a cakewalk when he came in to do the training because the first couple of weeks he ran the legs of us and we had about seven with Achilles injuries. Remember that? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I had one of them too. In fact, I ended up getting two freaking operations on me, Achilles. That, and, okay, in his defence, it wasn't him, it was Bowie. You've got oh, to blame Bowie. Bowie for all that. Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil, is he still, is he, where's Phil now? Uh, I, I really don't know. I'm not too sure Phil will know either, but I don't know. <laughs> what we're going to do now, Dave, we're just going to, um, just because we forgot what we were, we went off tangent there on different things. But can we ask you just a, li- a little, cut with your funniest stories off the pitch and, and your best moment on the pitch for Liverpool, but obviously keep it as clean as you can. No, actually, I've got, I've got a really good one with, uh, well, not really good, but I've got, I've got a one that springs to mind with, with Bruce. <laughs> so, well, we've got Bruce, we, we have got Bruce just, just for anybody's listening we have got Bruce don't forget in the Changley Hotel on the 10th of November with Phil Thompson and Terry McDermott in, on the same show so oh, very Bruce, good. Is coming, Bruce is coming from Canada so we all know how crazy he is but. oh he's mental he's mental he's great actually he's, he's with Paul Daglish at Ottawa Ottawa Fury he's, uh, yeah. I speak to Bruce every now and then he's a great fella crazy so I, I'm a, we're coming back from somewhere. I think it might have been Dubai, and we had a stopover at, at, uh, at the we had a stop at an airport, change planes. I don't know whether there's a problem with a plane. So we're all in a bar, and obviously we're not sitting drinking lemonade. So we're all in the bar, and it was up on the on the first floor, and we kept getting the security kept coming over to tell us to move because we're getting loud and, and getting <laughs> way too loud. Anyway, eventually they came back the third time. They made us all go, so we all had to go down the stairs. But down the stairs. There was this long, sweeping wooden handrail going down the stairs and it curved around. <laughs> so everybody's trundling down, normal, you know, normal. But Bruce yeah. can't do that. He jumped on the top of this <laughs> wooden, shiny handrail. He's going to slide down. So he's got one leg over like a woman riding a horse. He slid down and he slid down. He went right to the bottom. And as he got to the bottom, right at the very bottom of the, of the handrail, there's this little triangle gold <laughs> nugget with a point on it. So he ripped, ripped, it's ripped through his shorts, through his underpants, and it's gashed his arse. Right? He's got blood dripping all of his arse, dropping around the airport. He had to go and get stitches on it. He gashed his backside and wired it over. It was hilarious. <laughs> I, can, I can remember and some of my funniest stories are with him as well. And I, I just think... They can always make, he always used to show off when everyone somebody signed at the dinner table drinking his was it half a half a coke and half a milk or something <laughs> together and, and crazy stuff like that. <laughs> well, how many times did he get off the bus with gashes in his eye because he wanted to open the beer with a <laughs> oh, push it, I'm pushing his eye. <laughs> I'm pushing the cans against his head. Uh, yeah. Diving in the bath. <laughs> what about the diving in the bath? He used to take a run and dive into the bath. It's only three inches of water in it. No wonder he's mentally kept banging his head off the bottom. <laughs> I'm going to ask him to. I'm going to ask him to tell that story on the stage. What happened when you slid down the banister? <laughs> yeah, you should, you should get him. He's probably still got it. Get him a shoe and a scar on his record. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a cracker. And your yeah. and your best moment, Baz, in a, in a Liverpool shirt. Ah, uh, whoa. 
Apart from your goal, <laughs> did you get a goal? How many did you get? Fine. I, I did you have? You only have one I, each. That's why you're goal scorer and legend. <laughs> was it goal scorer? <laughs> yours yeah. is better than mine. Mine didn't even I, go over the line. Everybody keeps telling I me that. It was a goal scorer. 38 yards. It was probably 20. Uh, against Swarovski, Tyrol. <laughs> uh, some Europe, lowly European That's competition. I played in that one. Home. I played in that. Yeah. I probably went across it and I bent it in the top corner. <laughs> no, because you scored one at gate for Newcastle, didn't you, as well? I Did scored one at Newcastle. I actually meant that one at Newcastle. Ah oh, right. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I just, I'll Men just tell up. everybody. So, if you watch the goal against Newcastle, you can't find the Swarovski Tyrol goal. Then it's exactly the same as that. Probably a bit further out, isn't it? That's what we're going to stick to, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it was weird. It was weird. Near the halfway line. No, I, 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 I think probably it's a weird one. But my first real competitive game for for Liverpool was was in the Charity Shield at Wembley against Everton, and it was yeah. just a. I think it was the that brought home to me. You know, the stadium full, obviously half red and half blue. And it was just, I played in all the preseason games. Pre-season, we know preseason is completely different, yeah. but that was the first competitive game. You walk out of the full Wembley, I don't know how many is there, 85, 90,000. And you, you're going, it's the, that, that for me was, you know, then I, then I realized how big a club I was at. Yeah. And how big an honor it is to, to be part of this club. And I didn't know how long it was going to last. But I, but I, I think that one stands out. I know it's unusual because it wasn't the cup final. It was just the start of something really special. I got, I got bad memories of the charity show because that was the first ever game without the back pass. Remember when the, the first game did you play that one with oh, David James? And then Graham yeah. decided to try three at the back oh, at Wembley on a massive against Leeds with a, with Mr. Canton now playing up front. I think he scored three, didn't he? Got. And he got a oh, move to Man United afterwards. So that's me claim to fame. We got him a move to Man United because we're that bad. But we were all over the shot. I mean, what a game to play. Start three at the back end. But but yeah, you're, you're right with the atmosphere in that at Wembley. I mean, that's, that's one of the best. Especially against Evan. Evan yeah. That was, that was a good thing about it. It was against Evan. It's fantastic. But did, and did yeah. you play? You you played in the old Zare game, didn't you, when we won 3-0? The second no, game when, after we... When was that? No? I don't remember that. What year was that? That was the same year as the Swarovski Tyrol game, I think. We were, we lost two 0 over in Auxerre, and then we came back and we won three 0 in front of half a stadium. I, I, I honestly can't. Wally I scored. Honestly, I can't remember that. I'm, Wally, I, can't, I can't remember that game. Honestly, I can't no, remember it. Probably I the same as the nine 0 when you're in the pub with me at half time, and you said you didn't remember that one either. Well, I said I was I was having the anaesthetic. That's I think I was either getting the appendix out, or I was I was getting a drip in my arm from the bar, one or the other. <laughs> and and I'll just tell a funny story between us because we know we were both there because we've already com- uh, confirmed this. So we, uh, which hotel was it when we were in the FA Cup 1992? Graham named the yeah. team the day before, and I think I was left out. You were left yeah, out. Yeah, the day before. Was it Ronnie Whelan and Ronnie? Ronnie Whelan wasn't playing. Yeah, Ronnie wasn't playing. Yeah, and Ronnie. So Barry Barry decided to chuck the chalk all the way across the table, and then come on, <laughs> let's go and get some beers, and off we went. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It wasn't a good night. I was expecting to be sub. I tell you what, you put yeah. Marshy sub instead of me. I know. So he names the he names the team. And I'm thinking, well, that's not a problem. I know I'm sub. And then it was against Sunderland. So, yeah, I and know. Then, then, he, then he then he pulls up. I'm thinking, hang on, you're a sub short there, man. So no, no, oh, Jesus Christ! And then uh, in a, in a in a temper and a little paddy and a little hoffer through the thing across uh, the <laughs> across and then. But yeah. And then we went for a few few pints that night, and then you know we got up in the morning. <laughs> and and we before the game. game, yeah, we went straight to the bar before the game. And I tell you, I tell you what sticks out in my mind of that game. Trying to get um, to the toilet at halftime. <laughs> no, actually sat down, 
And seeing that, seeing that one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen, Lady Di, she looked fantastic that day. Oh, man. He's uh, always been a ladies' man. <laughs> no, she was, she was. She looked absolutely beautiful. I remember that. That, that is the dominant. You had nicer hair back, back then, Barry, than she had. Oh, no. He started, he <laughs> started it. I don't know how, who had more peroxide in, me or Lady Di. <laughs> I thought you were going to say me. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so, but also, and, and you know, going back to it, and yeah, we're both happy to play for the club. Both delighted to be there. And and like I said, it's the older lads. It's great to have somebody else on on podcasts and on the radio and on the television instead of hearing the same old name. So great to have you on, Barry. Thanks for coming on. My, no, it is. It's my pleasure. Repetitive. My pleasure. I drive the car along with Talksport, and I got to keep turning it over. I got Radio Two on, then something else on, then back to it. There's still the same people chatting. That's what they get paid to do. They get paid to chat. Um, Exactly. I get paid to do but they got have an job. opinion, surely they don't. They just got to sit on the fence every time, have they? Let's get some opinions out there. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you the, 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 the issue is you, you don't mind upsetting anybody. That's that's the really good thing, and that's a great thing <laughs> straight too. I Kenny didn't mind upsetting anybody either. He would say exactly what it was. So it's a, I think it's a good thing to have in life. So I applaud you for that. I do just say I just I, my dad always taught me to be honest, and I, I wouldn't like somebody bullshitting me. So I'd rather tell them to their face. Even even like you said, when you're managing, it's hard to say it to them sometimes. But but sometimes beating around the bush and telling them how good they are. When well, there is good. times you got to be a bit careful. I mean, do you say to your missus honestly, your ass looks massive in that dress? <laughs> no, that's why I got divorced. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. I rest my case. You're on. <laughs> Perhaps I should have. <laughs> now we started. Now Dave, Dave, he's gone for the juggler there at the end. There's no need to that, is there? But me, you know what? Consider yourselves you know lucky you're not married to Latin women. You would never get away with a comment like that. You'd be buried in the back. <laughs> no, they love that, didn't they? <laughs> right, look, look, I'm I'm over here. I'm over here and live fairly close to Hollywood. But the difference in the statement would be the the fellas over here would say to the missus. You know what's wrong? My ass looks big in your dress. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't they all have ass plants over there as well? <laughs> oh, oh, no, that's, that's a Brazilian there. thing. That's a, whole, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for your time, Baz. We'll get you back my on again pleasure. if you want to come back on. But, yeah, um, I'd love to. What's your Twitter account, Baz, so everybody can follow you and then see how you're doing and maybe some managers out I think, there. I think clubs it's just at Barry Venison. I think that's what it is, at Barry Venison. There are so many rogues on there. Do you know what I was thinking tonight? I thought, hang on, are you sure that's Venner's definitely going to come on? And I thought, it could be somebody else, couldn't it? So yeah. thought... Well, it depends what day you catch me on. That could be somebody else. <laughs> but with the dress on again. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you caught me out. I'm giving away. Oh, God. Yeah. All right, mate. Brilliant. Thanks All for right. that, Bar. Thank you very much. So with that, that's the end of the first Tanner Talks on uh, Cop Left in association with Cop Table. Just a massive thanks to Barry Venison for for giving up his time and coming to talk to us. And I think you'll agree it's been it's been a fascinating listen. It takes something to keep me keep me with my mouth shut. So (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this series going forward. As I say, massive thanks to Nick as well for coming across and giving us this opportunity. You know, we're we're eternally grateful and and really looking forward to the association going forward. It is going to be a weekly podcast where Nick basically reflects on his career and you know we'll bring on special guests during his playing times. Uh, at Liverpool, which is very, very exciting for us. And I cannot wait to hear the stories of, of these ex-players because it is a very, very important part of the history. As, as the guys have said on this podcast, it's, it's criminally undervalued what these guys did 
uh, in the past in the European Cups, as, as the guy said, four European Cups. Most people just sort of cling to the 2005. But in, on that, we're going to play out is from an artist called Gavin Thorpe. He's a singer-songwriter from Bristol, uh, I think a friend of Nick's. And he's written and recorded four al- albums independently and now writes and mentors with up-and-coming artists. I'll say the track we're going to play for you tonight is called Pictures. So other than that, uh, we'll play out and just thank you very, very much to the guys for, for their time one last time. If you haven't already checked out the Manchester United preview, which which Nick is on along with Andy Livingstone on the cop table, please do. It's it's an excellent listen. And Nick, I'll be delighted to say it will be back with us again on Copcast on Monday evening, directly after the United game to get reaction after we beat United. So uh, until then, it just leaves me to, to just say to the guys again one last time, thank you so much for your time, guys. It's truly appreciated. Bad.